Well, good morning. Good to see you in God's house today. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Y'all look lovely today. You getting your summer tan on? So many are gone on vacation. Pray that God restores them and gives them all that they need, refreshes them, brings them back healthy, safe, and sound. Amen? Amen. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip since it's camping season. And after a good meal, they lay down for the night. They went to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes awoke and nudged his faithful friend, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson said, well, I see millions and millions of stars. What does that tell you, Sherlock Holmes asked. Watson pondered for a minute. He said, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. And theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful, that we are small and insignificant. And meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Why? What does it tell you? Sherlock Holmes was silent for a minute, and then he said, Well, it tells me someone stole our tent. <laughs> if you go camping this week... <laughs> Don't let anybody steal your tent. Amen. Destination unknown. Do you remember life before GPS? When we had actual maps. Y'all remember that? Is, am I the old one here? How many remember OnStar? Ah. I was in a rental car down in Florida one, one time, and, and we were lost, and there was this little button in the thing, and we pushed it, and the lady said, OnStar, can I help you? We're like, we think we're lost. She said, you are lost. Because <laughs> we, had, we had punched in some numbers, and we went the wrong way. We took the wrong exit. It was a mess. And nowadays, almost everyone has this talking, guiding map person on their phone, right? We know where we're going, or do we? Any, anyone's talking, guiding, map person ever recalculated? <laughs> exactly. I can tell you today, God has never had to recalculate. He's still on the throne, no matter what it looks like. No matter where it seems like we're headed, awesome God has never had to recalculate and he knows exactly what's going on. And I believe God wants to take you places you've never known or been before. I believe he wants to take us deeper, farther, and, and take us into areas of life that could be a bit scary for us if we didn't know whose hand we were holding. Amen? Because when you know you've got your hand 
in the nail-scarred hand, when you know you've got your hand in the hand of the one who spoke the worlds into existence, there's a calmness, there's a peace that goes beyond understanding. And you don't have to be afraid. There is no fear in that. Isaiah chapter 6 is the scripture we've been looking at. And Isaiah 6, 1, Isaiah writes, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. And sometimes in your life, we said last week, some things have got to die in order for you to see what you need to see. There's some things that, that need to pass away and move on so you can get a clear vision of what God has for you. And when King Uzziah died, and, and King Uzziah was, uh, he was Isaiah's cousin. Interesting. That Isaiah had access to the palace and yet somehow had missed out on the true king. His eyes had not caught a glimpse yet of God Almighty. And when King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. He said he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And Isaiah notes this, Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And I said last week, if, if you don't like loudness and smoke, you're in trouble <laughs> when you get near God. Because his presence is overwhelming and things happen in his presence. The seraphim, the, the angels, their voices were so loud that it shook the temple to its foundations. That's pretty loud. It was their voices. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about the praises of, of God's people and the loudness that is included in that. What could happen if we would unleash this thing right here, this vocal cord, this voice that God has given us. And begin to praise him like we really could if we wanted to. What could happen if we let a praise go so loud that it shook the foundations of this place? You ever been to a game where the home team scored? When the Eagles actually scored? Remember that? Can you remember that? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I believe it's going to be a good season this year. But 
in the moment, there's this, this joy, this something that bursts forth from deep within. And, and that's what's happening with the angels. They're praising God. They're, they're shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the praises just are so resonating that it shakes everything. And Isaiah says in verse 5, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. And yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And he realizes in God's presence how, how filthy he is, how filthy everyone else is. And he understands God alone is holy. He starts having himself a pity party. Realizing that without God, he's, he's in big trouble. And one of the seraphim flew to him and with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. Isaiah says in verse 7, he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. I can tell you one touch from God changes everything. Amen. One touch, one moment in his presence can change everything in your life. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And, and Isaiah, automatically his arm went up in the air. I said, here I am, send me. And I'm praying through this series that God sparks that answer in each and every one of us. Lord, here I am, send, who will go for me? Who can I send? Who will be the answer to our prayers? Here I am, send me. Last week, we talked about, Lord, here I am, send me to my family. Nobody wants to go to family, right? That's not glamorous. That's not exciting. But maybe God has called us to our families to make a difference in just one. And I said, what if we called them what we wanted them to become until they became what we called them? What if we spoke life into our families? What if we spoke life into our children, into our grandchildren? What if we spoke life into our spouse, our, our, the one we're dating, the one we are, we are called to at the moment? What if God used us to speak life into them? We talked a little bit about dumpster diving last week. Anybody ever done that? Garbage gleaning. <laughs> we walk our neighborhood a lot, and, and sometimes our neighbors will put things out. One time, I scored the, the coolest coffee table. I'm serious. It was the coolest thing. If you ever went to Isaiah's house, you saw it. He loved it. I don't know what he did with it. He probably threw it away now, but uh, it was good. It was sweet. And, and it, you ever been to an auto salvage? I mean, seriously, you can find treasure in the midst of trash, Right? And sometimes, and I believe this is what God does in our lives. He looks at us and he says, it, it may not look like much now. You may not be much now, but wait till I get done with you. I've got a plan for your life. I've got, I've got things for you to do. And he takes us and makes treasure out of what we would think of as trash. He sees something in us. 
Just wait and see. This is going to be valuable. That's what God does with us. He calls those things that are not as though they are. He calls greatness out of us. He sees great potential where others see nothing special. I remember when, when our children were little that we would begin to speak life into them. We would pray over them as, as little ones, even before they could understand what we were praying. And I pray, Lord, help Elijah to be the best little boy in the world. Lord, help Isaiah to be the best boy in the world. Lord, help Alexandra to be the best little girl in the world. And then we would pour life words into them. We would speak favor and blessing and abundance over them. We would speak health over them. We would speak leadership and anointing, God's favor to surround them. God has given you the ability to speak into your children, even while they sleep. Amen? And I believe we are called to do that as God's people. Romans chapter 4 Verse 17, speaking of Abraham, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. That's what God said about him. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's what God does. He's a creative God. He speaks life-giving words. He calls things that are dead life. He says, you're dead now, but I'm calling life out of you. There are things that, that do not exist yet in you, but I'm calling those things out of you by faith. Amen. Some of you need to do that in your relationships right now. You need to do that in your children right now. Call those things that are not as though they are. And notice what Abraham did, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. He became what God called him, Because he began to believe what God said about him. Some of us need to begin to believe what God says about us rather than what everyone else has said about us. Come on, somebody. You've, you've heard the negative long enough. You've heard the things that, that are not. Well, you're not. You haven't been. You can't. You won't. But God says there's something inside of you and I'm calling it to life. I'm bringing those dead things to life. Hallelujah. And Abraham simply believed that what God said was true. You need to start changing the, the tape in your head. Start playing what God says about you. Start reciting what God says about you. And so Abraham believed, so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be. And, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. He's like, ha, me having a baby? Really, seriously? He didn't do that. He just said, okay, God, I believe what you said about me. You're calling me the father of many nations, so I'm going to believe that. Y'all are quiet today. Touch your neighbor and say, wake up. It's time to get going this morning. He did not waver. At the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Hallelujah. So how do we make a difference at home? Well, you let God make a difference in you first. 
And then you just shine bright on purpose. And you lead. Deuteronomy 6, and I use this a lot when we're dedicating little ones. These are the commands, decrees, regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. You will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let them see the word of the Lord in action on the walls of your house. I'm a sticky note guy. My wife's not real fond of sticky notes. She has relegated the sticky notes to my little office area. <laughs> but before that happened, sticky notes everywhere, right? Just a reminder, God says this. This is what God says. God says this about me. God says this about my kids. And I just, reminders everywhere. On, the, on my car, dashboard. Right? Mirrors. You're going to shave in the morning? You're going to brush your teeth? Mirror. Remind yourself of God's commands and repeat them over and over and over again. Here I am, Lord, send me to my family. Your contribution to the world may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And what if we had different eyes, a different perspective, and we said, Lord, here I am. Send me to my family. Secondly, I, I want to talk about here I am, Lord. Send me to Kennett Square, to Chester County. When God called our family to this place, began to realize the Lord hates comfort zones. Uh, my wife calls me a rut person. She still believes I love ruts. What I like is familiar. You know, you go to the restaurant, you know exactly what to get because that's good. She says if it has new by it, we will buy it because that that means it's fresh, it's something new, something that we haven't experienced yet, right? But me, I'm like, bacon double cheeseburger you can never lose. <laughs> Come on. And so God, God many times over our life has kicked us out of our comfort zone. And, and I got to the point 
where I'm like, okay, God, you asked us to walk on water, but how many times do you want to kick us out of the boat? I feel like you're, you're pushing us out of the boat. And as we read our one-year Bible many years, God began to speak to us. And Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6, this is one of the scriptures that kind of pushed us to come here. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord, our God, said to us, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. And there's some places in your life, some, some situation and areas that you need to realize time's up. It's time to break camp and move on. God has something else for you and he wants to lead you in new areas. And, and as I read on in verse 8, it says, look, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. Because it's the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all their descendants. And so the question for us became, where? Where do you want us to go, Lord? We don't understand. We were traveling as a family, as evangelists. We lived in a camper, lived in a fifth wheel, 40-foot fifth wheel, towed it with a little semi-truck and traveled from church to church. And God was doing some amazing things in our ministry. And he just kept pushing us. It's, it's kind of like the eagle that, that makes the nest uncomfortable so the eaglets will get out, right? You ever been in one of those uncomfortable places with God? And you just feel his nudge and you know, if I don't jump, I'm going to disobey. So we said, where do you want us to go, Lord? Because he kept pushing us to plant a church. We didn't fully understand that because we'd never done it before. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. He didn't exactly tell him where to go. He just said, go where I will show you. I'm going to show you, but I want you to get up and leave what's familiar right now. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Because when you obey God, others will follow. Someone has said the beaten path is the safest. But the traffic's terrible. <laughs> if you can find a path with no obstacles, it probably doesn't lead anywhere. And so we said, Lord, we, we don't know how to do what you're asking us to do. We've never done this before. And through our reading in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, he says, I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. And these are scriptures that we just tucked in our back pocket. We say, okay, God, you're speaking. We're just going to follow whatever you lead and, and just say, yes, yes, here I am, send me. 
And sometimes in life, you've got to have those promises. In fact, I would say all the time in life. You need those moments, those words from God that give you security, that give you a comfort and a peace, give you a, a stable foundation, right? Because foundations are crumbling lately. But God wants to give you a foundation that is stable. The word of the living God that will not fade away. The word of the living God that is true no matter what else comes your way. Nudge your neighbor and say, you need the word of God. Our time was running short as a family. We had booked only through uh, January. It was August. August, September, October, November, December, January. I had six months to find out where I'm going to live and start a church. Now, if you know anything about starting things, six months isn't a very long time. So we, we were praying and saying, God, okay, you've got you to speak to us. We had so many offers that it was confusing. And in the middle of all that, in, in August, I get a phone call from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And the man said, I don't know you, you don't know me, but we know people that know each other. And we hear you're getting off the road and you're going to plant a church. I said, you're right. God's been speaking to us. He said, let me ask you to pray about two places. He mentioned Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. I'd never heard of Kennett Square, Pennsylvania in my life. He said, Chester County, Kennett Square, that area. I'm like, okay. And then he said, Hershey. I love chocolate. I do. Chocolate is a vegetable. <laughs> Comes from beans. You gotta love that. And so I said, I'll pray about it. I said, we're praying about a lot of things right now, but our family will pray. He said, call me in a couple of weeks and uh, see what God says. And many of you know this story, and I, I won't belabor the, the point, but we were fasting as a family trying to figure out what to do, saying, God, you got to show us. Show us where you want us to go. And, and so we fasted as a family. We had three days between now and where we're to go next. And so we're praying and fasting, and, and uh, on day three, I'm reading my one-year Bible, and you know if, if you have a one-year Bible, you know it's laid out with the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. There's a portion of each. And so I flipped the page, and it's December the 12th in my Bible reading. I, it was August, but I'm reading in December. Go figure. And December the 12th, and the top part of the Old Testament, which was the last part, was Amos chapter 9. And the last verse of that passage said, in verse 15, 
I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I've given them, says the Lord your God. And I put the Bible down. I said, God, that's what I want. That's what we want as a family. We just want our own land. But we don't know where it is. Show us where it is. Just let us know something. Give us an idea of where. And I picked the Bible back up and started reading again. And the very next verse was Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I said, okay. Maybe you're speaking, Lord. And I grabbed the map. We had a map back then. Remember those? Rand McNally, Road Atlas. And I opened it up, and it's, I'm looking at Philadelphia. And outside of Philadelphia, I'm looking for Kennett Square because I know where Hershey is, but I really don't know where Kennett Square is. And I look, and it's, on, it's even in the yellow part of the Philadelphia map. I called the family together, and I said, Guys, I, I believe God's speaking to us. I believe we're supposed to go to the Kennett Square area. And they were excited because they got to eat again. They like, fast is over, we're eating. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And so that day we, we packed up our trailer and we left. We were in Florida, but we're going deeper down into the, the uh, whatever that is that area down here that's where we're going Fort Myers area met with our friends Kurt and Debbie Holthus um, Kurt said to me tomorrow he said I got to go see the pastor of our church would you go with me and then we'll go out on the boat I said absolutely went to the meeting with Kurt he comes out of his meeting and he said, dude, pastor wants you to call him tomorrow. They're getting ready to plant a church and he feels like you're the answer to his prayers. They want to plant a church in Cape Coral. He said, you've always said you wanted to live on the west side of Florida. This is your chance. I'm like, what? Because everybody asks us, where would you like to live? That's where you need to plant your church. And we're like, we love the west side of Florida. We love Southern California. We love places where there's good weather. And, and God said, Philadelphia area. And I've got a tug over here saying, come to the west side of Florida. We went out of the boat that afternoon. And as we're on the boat... It's the Gulf of Mexico. It's gorgeous. The, the quiet, soft, lovely sea breeze is hitting our face. And it's beautiful. And, and you know, dolphins and the whole deal. And, and he's, he, Kurt turns around and looks at me. And he says, dude, this is what you can have every day of your life. God's calling you to Florida. At that moment, 
we come up on the back of another boat, and on the back of the boat it says, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and Christy and I just started crying. And Kurt, oh, he jokes with me today. He says, you're the only one I know. God says, don't go to Philadelphia. He puts it on a boat, and you just go there. <laughs> I know. And we didn't understand fully, but we knew that God strategically called us here. We knew there was no question to be had. There was no way that we could misunderstand. God said, go where I'm calling you. And though we'd never been here before, God strategically planted us here. And I had a pastor tell me during those months, he said, Go where God's calling you because he has people waiting for you to show up. And look around today and realize God had many people waiting for us to show up. And we said, here we are, Lord. Send us. Here I am. Send me to Kenneth Square. Send me to Chester County. Lord, and some of you are sitting here going, well, what's it have to do with me? It really has to do with obedience. Here I am, Lord. Send me to my neighborhood. Here I am, Lord. Send me to my workplace. Here I am, Lord. Send me to my ungodly friends. Because somebody is just waiting for you to show up. Anointed by God with lips that have been touched with a coal from off the altar of God. Somebody's waiting for you to show up and just be Jesus with skin on. Somebody's waiting for you to say, here I am. Send me. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Last Sunday, after I preached, Christy and I headed to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for Paul Hollis's funeral. He was a cousin of mine, lived in Harrisburg. Paul was 62 years old. He died of cancer. I hate cancer. I pray against it all, all the time. It's stolen a lot from my family. In fact, if you would remember my brother Doug, missionary to Indonesia, he goes in today or tomorrow for a PET scan the kidney that they removed that had cancer 10 years ago, there are spots in that area that they've seen on an MRI that uh, they're concerned about. And uh, pray for him. He needs a miracle. He's 60 years old and doing an amazing work on the mission field. And the enemy's kicking up his feet. He, he has kicked up his heels. He has kicked up dirt. He's He's worked hard, 
to bring discouragement and death. Jesus said he'd come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. Anything that kills, steals, or destroys is from the enemy. Okay? We fight against that in the name of Jesus. Coming here to start this church wasn't an easy task. The enemy fought us tooth and nail. But we're still standing in the name of Jesus in victory. My cousin Paul, he was a brother of six siblings. Uh, they were all, all, almost all there. One could not come. Um, he was a husband. He was a father, a recent grandfather. Paul was an engineer. They say he was one of the best engineers in the business. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was a deacon at his church. He was a fisherman. And he was a mentor. And we listened to a host of people share how Paul had made such a huge impact on their lives because of how he lived and what he did and the things he spoke. But his lifestyle made the biggest difference. And sometimes, you know, we think, well, I don't, I don't feel like God's calling me to go to the mission field. Great. But where is he calling you to? Is he calling you to your neighborhood? Is he calling you to your workplace? The people you work with, are you making an impact there? Are you saying, here I am, Lord. Send me to my family. Send me to my workplace. Send me to my friends who need you. And what does that look like? What do I say? Hey, just share what the Lord has done for you. That's all you got to do. Like the blind man. I don't know much, but I do know this. I was blind, but now I see. I don't have all the answers, but I do know one touch from Jesus changed everything. Hallelujah. You ever had a bite of something so good you just had to share it? You don't eat? Nobody eats here? Y'all eat? Are you hungry yet? I'm hungry. I mean, yeah, I'm starving today. I, I don't know. I'm wasting away to nothing. Can you tell? I'm just shriveling up. I'm about to. We were in uh, Montoursville, Pennsylvania, ministering in a church. And the pastor's wife, Mary Baker, and her, her last name is very fitting because she's a great baker. Uh, she baked me a pecan pie. It was the finest pecan pie I've ever had in my life. You ever had, anybody like pecan pie? Now, I've had some that's, yeah, it's like, eh, it's okay, eh, whatever. But, but this pie was different. And I'm sitting in my trailer having my first bite. I'm like, whoa, oh, that's good. Oh, that's real good. Second bite, I'm thinking, how do I keep the entire pie to myself? <laughs> I got to talk my kids into not liking this somehow. But the more I ate, the more I wanted to share. In fact, my mother-in-law was, was uh, there at the time, and, and she, 
I, I said, Judy, you got, you got to try this pie. This is the most amazing pecan pie in the world. And the reason I'm talking about this is because last Sunday, her daughter was here, Jacqueline's mom, and she brought us pies, pecan pies from Mary. And mine's gone already. <laughs> but they just, it sparked that memory. And I'm thinking, yes, I remember. And, and so I, I'm eating and I, I want to share, but I'm like, I want it all to myself. But I couldn't hold it in. I had to share with somebody else so they could experience what I had experienced. The psalmist David says in Psalm 34, Oh, 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 taste and see that the Lord is good. Have a bite. You won't believe what this tastes like. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed you'll be if you take refuge in him. And I'm thinking... When you have an experience with God, just like Isaiah did, and, and he realized, I'm, I'm unclean, yet God touches me and, and gives me a taste of something that's so heavenly. He said, I'll go. I'll go. I've got to share this. I've got to talk to somebody about what God has done in my life. And you know that when you've had a bite of something amazing, just recently, Christy and I have crossed over into sushi land. Who would have thought? I tried it years ago. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my kids just kept saying, you got to taste, you got to taste the right one. You got to have the right bite. You got to have the right thing. So Christy finally said, take me there, order for me. They did. She's hooked. <laughs> Yum. And, and there's sauces and everything that goes with it and all the different things wrapped up in this little thing. <laughs> it, it's like you look at it and you go, that can't be good. And yet you dip it and you go, oh my goodness. The, the flavor, it, it explodes in your mouth. And you're like, oh, you got to taste it. Taste this one. Taste that. And everybody's sharing. The, taste this one. You got to try this one. <laughs> Shouldn't it be exactly the same for what God's done for us? Oh, Taste and see for yourself how good the Lord is. You'll be blessed if you take refuge in Him. If you get so near Him, don't go to the buffet and just take one thing. Get some yummy stuff and go back to the table and go, you got to have some of this. You got to taste this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The problem is our world just doesn't know how good Jesus tastes. But we can share that. Here I am, Lord. 
send me. Send me to my neighborhood. God is using us in our neighborhood finally. It took Christy to have cancer. Open some doors. Watching some walls come down. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You'll be blessed if you take refuge in him. Would you stand with me, please? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me to Canada. Send me to my neighborhood. Send me to my workplace. Send me to my friends. Send me to my family. Lord, may I carry so much of you Oh, God. I want to be saturated with your presence to the point that everyone who rubs up against me, everyone who gets near, they can smell the fragrance of Christ. Everyone who gets close enough can take a bite of Jesus and realize how amazing he is. How life-changing He is. Oh God, saturate me with who you are. If you want God to use you, I want you just to lift your hands toward heaven and surrender. Saying, God, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me, Lord. I don't have to go into full-time ministry to be used by you, Lord. Here I am, send me to my workplace. Here I am, Lord, send me to my customers. Here I am, Lord, send me to my employer. Here I am, Lord, send me to those who are nearby. Lord, here I am, send me to my neighborhood. Here I am, Lord. want to be used by you. want to make a difference in someone's life. Here I am, Lord. Send me, Jesus. Saturate me, Lord, with all that you are. Saturate me with all that you are. Would you just take a moment where you are? And at an altar of sacrifice, just talk to God. Let Him know your heart's desire to be Jesus with skin on, to be a carrier of that which is so tasty 
to be a carrier of good news. Lord, I give you my all, everything I have, Jesus. Oh, Lord, send me, oh, Lord, hey, give you everything I have, Jesus. Lord, send me. Lord, I thank you for calling us here to Kenneth Square. I thank you for what you've established and what you're continuing to expand. I thank you for the lives that have already been changed, and I thank you for the lives that will continue to be changed in the days to come. I thank you for those who are going to be changed even this morning as you set captives free. And Lord, I thank you that you are calling each and every one of us to make a difference where we are. I thank you, Lord, that your anointing is going to rest upon us. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to perform miracles. Because we can't do some things in our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, Lord, I thank you in advance for the mighty warriors that you're raising up in this house who will go out from here carrying the most amazing taste in the world, the love of Jesus. Use us, empower us by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, give the person next to you the privacy of this moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need to take a bite of this Jesus. I need to see how good he is. You see, one, one touch from him, once you give your life to him, it, it changes everything. The Bible says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning to just say yes to Jesus and, and experience this life-changing power that he has for you. Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you that opportunity to confess that this morning and to take a step into Jesus and let him change you. Let him do what only he can do. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I want that experience this morning. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. All over this room. Slip it up high. Yes, sir. Someone else. I want to receive Jesus this morning. Yes. Anyone else? 
Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. You can feel it. You can feel it pumping hard. You're going, what is that? It's God saying, hey, come to me. Come to me. Let me change you. Anyone else? You want to pray this prayer with me? Pray this prayer with me. Out loud, say, dear Lord Jesus, I give you myself today. I thank you that you died for me. And you rose again from the dead, victorious. And I thank you that I can live victorious in Jesus Christ. Touch me, Jesus, deep within. I give you myself. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. And I love you today. Thank you for freedom from sin. Thank you for a brand new start. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just lift our hands and begin to praise him this morning. Awesome God. Awesome God. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. He's an awesome God. If you gave your life to Jesus, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, we want to give you a Bible. On your way out, the ushers will have them. Just say, hey, I need one of those Bibles. Because you need to read the Word of God. Tell somebody what God's doing in your life, too. And get it in a church. A church that preaches the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Before you walk out this morning, I want you to get to know somebody that you don't know yet. That's right. Maybe God's pushing you out out the boat right now. Outside your comfort zone. Think you can do that? I think you can. I think it's time. I love you. And I know God's working. He's doing amazing things among us. Keep standing strong. Keep trusting his word. No matter what it looks like. He loves you beyond measure. Give yourself to him. Amen. Have a blessed day.